knock, knock, cut it, open up his chip Got a cush pack sales and some Henny we can sip Keep a couple dollars, I don't give a penny to a bitch But I'm with a couple hoes who say they really wanna get Acquainted with some niggas who ain't the average niggas They just wanna see why all their girlfriends be wanting pictures I be flying in the hundred nets, worth a hundred hundred stack I ain't gonna stop shopping till I hit a hundred sacks Polo, that's a given, I ain't even got a mention Candy old school, put you niggas in detention Slab niggas geeked up Tool in the clothes, I'm just a young fresh fly fool with some gold. Hey, hey, what it do, my dude? I'm living life, dog, what about you? And I ain't even gotta tell a lie. My swag, my steeds got a nigga sky high. So I'm watch my moves from my shoes on a cool beat. Damn, if a nigga ain't high to the roof. Tip tight, get it right, homie, more or less. Hey, what's up? This is the Thank God I'm Fresh podcast. Uh, Jay, I'm here with my friend Jonathan. So, yo, yo, yo. Um, can you hear him? I think you can hear him. Um, this is my first time doing this show a little different. Um, we're going to introduce ourselves. Um, and kind of give you just an idea of what we're here to do today. So I'm Jason, <laughs> or Jay, uh, from Mobile. I'm 28, and I am trying to adult. <laughs> I live in Montgomery. <laughs> it's a pretty cool town. I'm here with my boy Jonathan. I'm gonna let him introduce himself. I'm Jonathan from Kigali, Rwanda, living in Montgomery, Alabama, I'm 25. Also in the business of trying to adult. But yeah, trying to catch these vibes. Yeah, so we're just here to like talk shit. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Um, now that we got the formalities out of the way, um, I'm gonna go through a bunch of different topics or whatever. Um, where we talk about dope shit that black people are doing, and then we're gonna hash out some problematic conversations. Um, and then I'm gonna do a favorite part of my show that I like to call the Fucky Friday. Um, hey. It's a special shout out to the people I can't stand. Um, so, and hopefully Jonathan will have a Fucky Friday. I don't know. I'm gonna think about it. Yeah. This I'm is sure. like dedicated like strictly to the person that you like it's not even a person it can be a thing that mm. you're just really mad at like it's I have a lot really, of shit I'm mad at right now I'm not even gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie we live in Alabama this, there's a lot of things you can Yo, <laughs> we live in America <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's yeah. a lot of things I can be mad at so yeah um, and also for you think about what you can be mad at and you can leave me a voice message um, so this podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is a podcasting platform that allows you to podcast from anywhere. I'm podcasting on my iPad right now. It's really dope. Um, I can also edit my podcast inside the app or on GarageBand, put all some nice music and transitions behind it and make it look good. It's awesome. You should check it out. All right. So yeah. Also on Anchor, you can actually make commercials and get paid. <laughs> To say them. Like, I just did. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm sorry. I heard the cha-ching. 
Well, add that in Yo. the bank. <laughs> yeah, like I monetize Collect my them coins, my guy. Yeah, so All like right. I monetize my own content. So yeah, if you want to make a podcast, like I'm really the reason why I make this podcast is really like I don't know about a lot of podcasts about a black guy just trying to figure out how this adulting thing works sometimes. Like, because it's kind of complicated. Um, it's mad complicated. And not I, a lot of guidance. Not a lot of guidance. And I'm not here to be your tour guide. I'm not here to be your doctor. I'm only called a doctor on Twitter where you can follow me at Dr. TGIF. Another shameless plug. Um, <laughs> great on two there. Two for two. Two for two. Um, I'm great on there. Um, also, follow the podcast at TGIF Pod as well on Twitter. Um, I let the jokes fly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of problematic stuff that, you know, you deal with, um, you know, in your 20s. I'm, you know, a black guy that just really started going to therapy and working through a lot of things. That's dope. And it is. It really is to, you know, to have a therapist, to have great insurance where you can afford it. Um, shout out to insurance. Shout out like, to insurance. Honestly. Like, Blue Cross Blue Shield is the shit. <laughs> it's like, and I cannot stress that enough. Um, and so it's really trying to figure out, you know, it's dealing with, I'm now that I'm 28, I looked at the last 10 years of my life at being an adult and trying to piece together like, God, there's so much shit I could have done. And think of this as an audio memoir and more so of a, just a diary um, of, you know, how I'm reconciling with those 10 years. And as I'm preparing to turn 30 in two years, like I turned 29 in August and like, that's a big deal because I'm like one year from a three decade mark of being a human being. <laughs> yeah, that's real. Um, and that's real, yeah, it is. That's real. So it's just trying to figure out and like working through this with Jonathan. <laughs> hey. And you know, here giving him a platform to where he can talk about it because he has a totally different perspective. One, because he's not from here. <laughs> uh, and so it's, you know, learning more about him as well. As we talk about music, politics, um, pop culture, uh, bullshit, <laughs> everything in between. Um, these, these NBA playoffs, um, like uh, the Sixers won tonight, which was great. Oh yeah? Um, your boy plays for Toronto. He does? Yeah. Shout out to my guy, Jordan Lloyd, number eight, two-way <laughs> player. Yeah. Hey, doing his thing. Yeah, so this is just a couple of things. So uh, we're going to start with uh, a topic I like to call black people doing dope shit. So if you remember Gullah Gullah Island or whatever, classic, very much classic. Um, Nick Jr. TV show. Did you ever watch Gullah Gullah Island? I actually never did. Oh, you missed out, man. You missed out on a wave. Like, Nickelodeon has a really good history. Like, yeah. if you look back at their history of, of the 1990s, um, they interviewed the guys who, like, created Are You Afraid of the Dark? And, like, the, the creators of Are You Afraid of the Dark talked about, like, Nickelodeon at that time was a new channel in 
also Cartoon Network was a new channel at that time. And both of those, both of those companies really let their creators create. And like for Nickelodeon, they didn't have a lot of animation in the beginning. So like a lot of their stuff was live action acting. And so they really were inclusive. Like in this birth in the 90s of black sitcoms on Nick Jr., you are on Nickelodeon, you had black educational television shows. And one of them was Gullah Gullah Island. It was, uh, I think the family was uh, either from the Bahamas or they were Jamaican. And like all of the music around it was like reggae and it was dope. <laughs> there was like an orange frog called Binya Binya. And so... Um, Sounds like I missed out on some dope content. It was, it was dope. So Vanessa Baden-Kelly was one of the actresses on there. She was a little girl on the TV show. She was the daughter. And um, she just got an award uh, for Outstanding Lead Actress. And um, her co-star, Terrell, Terrence Terrell, got an Outstanding Supporting Actor. Um, in digital daytime TV dramas at the 46th annual daytime Emmys. Um, I've been meaning to watch this show. So um, the, it's executive produced by a nonprofit organization, Leaders Up, um, by Empire star Jesse Smollett, Small World. <laughs> <laughs> um, shout out to Jesse. Um, this debuted on Issa Rae's YouTube channel uh, back in 2017, and which is crazy because Issa Rae came from YouTube. So this is another potential, full yeah, full circle, like opening a door for somebody else, which I love to see. Um, so I'm really excited uh, for this show. If you guys haven't had a chance to watch it, um, it's called Giants. It deals a lot with mental health, actually, like people like dealing with depression, anxiety, um, adulting. <laughs> Um, and I'm going to start watching it. I'm going to catch up on a couple of seasons um, and definitely check it out. How many seasons are there? Um, I think they're on their third. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say they're on their third season. And if people want to watch it, where do they do that? I think they can watch that on YouTube. Look up Giants on YouTube and check it out. Also, yo, black movies <laughs> are back on Netflix, of course. Um, BAPS, as you know, is... Hey. Have you ever watched BAPS? I'm about to. <laughs> Baps, is a, Baps is a black American classic, bro. Black American princesses. Like, Put me on. Like, absolutely amazing. Like, I, I can't really even explain. It's an iconic-ass <laughs> movie. Like, it really is. Um, Halle Berry at her finest and yeah. her blackest, probably, that you'll ever see her. Um, honestly. In my opinion. Also, a couple more. Um, her only choice, knock down the doors, um, not me, knock down the house, which is with Ao uh, Ale Alexandria Casio Cortez. I heard that's amazing. Yeah, I heard it is too. Um, Tuca and Birdie uh, came out on the third, which is an animated TV show, mm -hmm. um, black TV show. Uh, Pose season one, which I never finished. I got halfway through and I got to finish that. That's out. one of my favorite shows that came out. Yeah, I heard it was amazing. My best yeah. friend was addicted to it. Um, See You Yesterday comes out on the 17th. Moonlight comes out on the 21st, which amazing. I cannot tell. If you have not seen Moonlight, you're missing out. You sleep. Chill on that misogyny and watch it. Um, and that homophobia. Uh, Wanda Sykes Not Normal uh, comes out uh, on the 21st, which I didn't even know she had a stand-up special coming out. Isn't this like her second? Might be. 
feel like this I feel like I'm yeah. I feel like I'm out the loop and I feel bad about it. Sorry, Wanda. Um, the perfection comes out on the twenty fourth. She's got to have it season two, which I just watched the preview. Looks really good. How'd you feel about season one? Be real. Season one left a lot to be desired. I really didn't like the whole butt injection storyline. Um, felt like it was forced. Um, I felt like the show had potential. The same way I feel about She's Gotta Have It season one is the same way I feel about Dear White People season one. Like, hmm. as a black person, I always give the black TV of shows... You got to. I, give you, I give you one season to try to figure it out. And if by season two you haven't figured it out, I give up on you. But I felt like with this... I felt like with Dear White People, I said, you guys are going to figure it out. And then it started to hit its stride. Like that epi- like the episode when they pulled the gun out on him. And you're like, this is the best. This is television. Um, because it felt real. It looked real. And like to hear the behind the scenes from the actors talk about how painful that process was to make that scene. Um, and you can tell in the pain in the episode because you feel it. And that's when that's when you're like, this is why I wanted this to be a TV show. And when she's got a habit, it has those moments um, still. But I understand Spike was trying to right a wrong because he felt like she's got a habit. The original, he even admitted that it had a very misogynistic tone. Um, it's ending, you know, ended very brutally for obviously uh, Nola Darling, and he felt like he wanted to right a wrong. I respect him for accepting that and trying to make something different i feel like it relates to the everyday woman i i like season i like the way season two looks right now because it looks very queer because the last time that we left her she decided to um stay with her uh female partner so i'm excited to see where that is now like i want to see like where that story evolves because she's still dealing with the she's now dealing with her exclusively but also from what the preview looks like, she's not ready to accept her daughter having two mothers. And so does she really want commitment? And it's and it looks like she's struggling with like showing like accepting affection, mm-hmm. like and accepting her family being. Per- and that's a conversation that I've never seen told from a black woman's perspective, especially a black queer woman. So I think that would be cool. When's uh, when season two coming out? Season two comes out on the 24th. And then, of course, Ava DuVernay's When They See Us, which I can't wait for, um, which is May 31st. Yeah, I was in Brooklyn a few months ago when she was filming, and um, yeah, I'm really excited. <laughs> really excited to see this. Yeah, I'm, I'm super, super excited, too. I'm, I love that people are—I hate Trump, but I love that he's a supervillain. Because superheroes emerge and they want to tell stories Mm. and make sure that people don't forget um, history. Um, We are at a shift where people are starting to hate information (laughs) Um, because they are more comfortable with the lie. So it's good to see truth tellers um, that are telling the truth and are unafraid to do it. So that's why I really appreciate filmmakers. I, I appreciate Ava in that in, in that respect. Yeah, um, I'm really excited to see it. I'm really excited. Underrated director, and I don't understand when when I say underrated because I still think she's underappreciated. 
like in the space that she works in because she tells amazing stories. Yeah, I'm not around anybody who does not appreciate the brilliance of Ava I, I feel I feel like white folks don't appreciate it. Yeah, I don't f- hang around those people. <laughs> it's just <laughs> not good for my health. <laughs> I'm, I love those. I love white. In people. my household, Ava DuVernay's name I'm, is said. Yeah, and airs of reverence. I love white people that are like, "Have you seen Thirteenth? That's <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, girl." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, shout out to Ti. Uh, he gave out twenty five thousand uh, dollars college Tip. scholarship in memory of his sister. Um, he partnered with VH1 as well as the United Negro College Fund to start the Precious Chapman Scholarship Fund in honor of his sister, who died in February from an asthma attack brought on by a car accident. Um, this year, tragic. Yeah, that is tragic. I hate that. RP. Um, this year's recipient of the $25,000 scholarship is Tyranny Scott. So shout outs to you. Shout She's to also you. a single mom and a junior at Philander Smith College, which is an HBCU in Little Rock, Arkansas. I have been to Philander Smith. I actually saw Nikki Giovanni speak at oh, Philander wow. Smith. For real? How's the that? The legend. It was crazy, yo. I've never seen a black woman say, like, basically fuck these white people and it just made I was so excited because <laughs> I didn't know like you could talk like that in public bro yeah you know what I'm saying like she was just unapologetically black and even though like I was in Mobile Kappa League um, in high school it was like a leadership organization you know started by Cap Alpha Psi really cool organization because like I got a chance to go to a lot of HBCUs and college trips on shit and we went to Arkansas, and I was like, what the fuck is in Arkansas? <laughs> but then I see all of these cool, historic black colleges. Like, we visited Mississippi Valley State, where Jerry Rice went to school, bro. Like, it's in the middle of the fucking Delta. Like, you're right next to a cotton field. That shit's surreal as fuck, but it also, there's nothing there but that school. Um, and then I went to Philander Smith, and we saw Nikki Giovanni. And the one thing I loved about her is that she loves all, like, when she says she loves black people, she loves all black people. Like... It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. And like she was saying, fuck Cosby. And I didn't understand what that meant when I was in high school. But now that I'm older, I was like, yo, she knew. Like everybody knew. But she was amazing, bro. Like hmm. it was like lightning was in that room. Like, That's dope. Crazy. But Philander Smith is a really dope small HBCU in, um, in Little Rock, Arkansas. It's like right across, like, I want to say it's on a hill, like right across from like the the Bill Clinton Center or whatever, because he like every president has a museum mm-hmm. or whatever, um, and that's where his is. But it's Arkansas is like a, a weird like it's Arkansas. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've never been there before. Um, it's a it's a weird state. Like it's basically Texas because they're like all cowboy fans. <laughs> but that's because Jerry Rice like went to. Oklahoma. I mean, he went to Arkansas. He went to the uh, University of Arkansas, whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's weird there, but um, it's a very small HBCU, and I always love to shout out small HBCUs because you know the big ones always get the love. But like, I hope that people show love to these. Like, I love this wave of watching black kids go back to HBCUs, but I also hope that they go back to the ones that are in their community. Yeah. Um, in large numbers, I mean numbers where they can handle the capacity, 
but we keep these places open because we need them. <laughs> like Your institutions. I'm I've been really excited about you know homecoming. Oh, and yeah. what that's done in terms of uh, just changing narratives. And like oh my goodness, like. I have a friend that works at um, Southern University mm-hmm. in marketing. She was like, Beyonce basically did marketing for us. Like, essentially. She did a year's worth of marketing. Like, we can just walk into a child's room, to a child's house, and play Beyonce's homecoming. And it's like, right, come to Southern University. It's all you got to do. Like, they're in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. Like It's like, yo, the there's a girl that's in that scene where they show this southern university dance girls and she is from mobile she's from my hometown like women from mobile like there's dance teams on like there's you know dance girls for every black high school and they aspire to go to these schools like i remember when one of my close friends um found out that she was going to be a southern university i think they're dancing dolls or something like that i can't remember and we were working at a summer camp together at our church and she was like so excited because she had to leave but she had to leave and go to baton rouge um Hmm. to get to be in the band but she like it's legendary like not that many women can say that at that university that i was one of those dance girls so it's this tradition like and i feel like traditions are necessary like sometimes traditions can be like rooted in respectability politics but there are some traditions that i just love to see it's the pageantry of like black people being the blackest that they can be <laughs> like in a space and you feel safe i think that's the beauty like that's the beauty of homecoming to me and they showed that to the world beyonce did that because she knew black folk couldn't afford to be at coachella <laughs> hmm. so she was like this is for y'all no, abs- that was a gift to black people. It really it was. was uh, Greatest thing I've ever seen. Nah, that was amazing. Like, how can you be that? Like, how dare you be that great? She's a Virgo. I mean, I, 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 anything that a Virgo does is awesome. We'll be right back. Yo, we're back. What's up? What's up? What's up? Had to take a break. I'm back. And better than ever. Got a new phrase or <laughs> yo, okay, seriously. So this segment's called Fresh Squeeze, alright? Um, since this show is called Thank God I'm Fresh, which I never explained why that is. So before I guess we get into Fresh Squeeze, uh Thank God I'm Fresh was a kid cutty song that I really liked. Um it's the theme song for the show. <laughs> It's um, a dope ass song. It is. Yeah. Um, it's a really dope song. Um, that's from the Man on the Moon tape. Yep. Um, and no, that's from a kid named Cuddy. Man on the Moon was the album, and that was back in like 2008, 2009 when I was in the army, and I listened to a lot of Kid Cuddy. He got me through a lot. Yeah, um, that sounds heavy. Song was like, it was a dope song first of all, and then not not only to mention that, but um, my first Twitter name. My first Twitter name was really head ass. It was fucking. <laughs> My first Twitter name was Gentleman4537. That was the worst. Wow, that that was really lame. 
Wow, gentleman four five three seven. No, gentleman four five three seven. So how do you come up with this brilliant <laughs> handle, my guy? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what I was thinking. Yo, that was like awful. where that is that like your nickname or some shit? No, like, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. That was lame as fuck. <laughs> Anyway, oh, so um, I eventually changed it to Mr. TGIF um, because of that song. And um, also my friend was designing a clothing line called Fly Times. Um, and I loved the, I had went through like three different names for a clothing line because he was showing me like how to do this work and like he opened up a boutique and I was there to like watch him do this and it was amazing watching him work in this space and create, you know, a business and sell streetwear and mobile, which had never been done before, like skateboard streetwear and like give give people a another another side that they haven't seen, something that's from the West Coast, something that's from the East Coast. A little bit of different, like Nike SB Dunks, like and I loved it. Like dirt like I miss Durkle and Tim Deep. Um, that's how I got exposed to a lot of those clothing lines, like through Tony. So shout out to Tony, he's awesome. Shout out, shout out. Um but he came up with Secret Scientist, which is one of my favorite lines, and I always wear his stuff. And um, I came up with TJF. Like, I was like, well, I didn't come up with it, it was a song, so I was like, I don't know if I can really use this, but I like played around with some logos, and it, one look, looked really good, and I designed some shirts, but I never released them. But my name stayed T Mr. TJF. And then somebody said, you sound like you'll be a doctor one day. And so I wrote it into existence. Wow. You graduated yourself. To I doctor. graduated myself without a diploma. Hey. So spoken so, into existence. So, so yeah. Proclaimed. But that is my Twitter name journey. Wow. Thanks for taking me along that journey. <laughs> and I've been doctor. I mean, dude, Twitter is an amazing place, man. I've been on Twitter 11 years. It's really weird. It's fascinating. It really is. No, I want to say, no, 10 years, 10 years. Yeah, to, 10 years and 11,000 followers later, and it's a really weirder place. Like, I remember being a person with just a couple hundred followers and just trying to figure out what the hell this app was to now, like, people following you just because of the shit that you say. And that's really weird to me, but I get it. Yeah. Um, because I also follow people to see what are they going to say. Hmm. Like, you open up Twitter like it's the news. I think that's wild. <laughs> like, so how do you figure out what you're going to say? I don't know. Sometimes it's just based on, like, what I feel. Like, I like to call myself a, a GIF wizard. Um, because I can, like, draw heads and put them on top of GIFs. So, like, when basketball games happen... Like somebody goes off or like put their head on top of Goku or something stupid like that. Because <laughs> it's funny. Um, or I do it, in, or what I do is in my um, group chat, I'll make, I'll cut my friends' heads off with their pictures and like put them on gifts and then I'll post them on the timeline and make fun of them. Um, or I just call people nigger dactyls, which I think is the greatest <laughs> term ever. <laughs> Nigger hilarious and niggapotamuses, and I beg your nigger ass pardon. Um, those are those are my three catchphrases. Yeah, um, legit. 
I think it's just, I don't know. You're speaking your mind freely, but you're also listening to others. I use it for so many different things now. Like, it's really to, I, I love Twitter because I can have, I can listen to black women that I've never heard before, some that I've never seen before in real life, and they share their experience. And it makes me empathize. And it also, like, I have become a less apathetic person because of Twitter. Like, because it makes the world really small. Hmm. Like, you have access now to people of privilege that you would have never had access to. Like, it's also an invasion of privacy at the same time. Like, because now, like, you're, you're so close and adjacent. Like, we were just talking about this. You're just a few degrees of separation away from somebody. Right. And Twitter even gives you an ability to now be instantaneously, instantaneously, you know, in their DMs or in their mentions, and you can get a, you can ask a superstar a question and they might answer it. Or president. Right. Mm. It's a powerful medium for sure. Yeah, it is. It's like, revolutionizing everything. Yeah, the way that we talk to people and communicate with people. Um, so fresh squeeze. All right. Fresh squeeze. Let's go. Okay. Let's get it. Let's get it. So blackish is getting a new spinoff. It's called mixed ish, and it's getting um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yo, let's be real now. The, the the name alone is bothering me, but here's the thing: the first time I heard the word blackish, didn't really like it that much. It 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 was cute, it was funny, but I didn't think that they were serious, and I remember it was negatively received. So, grown-ish, which is, was originally supposed to be named college-ish, um, which I like grown-ish. Um, I like grown-ish a lot better than college-ish. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know how I feel about this whole ish business, but I digress. Yeah. Um, so, I've watched Blackish before. I'm a fan of the show. They have some good episodes. Um, that really made me think, and it's good to see a black family on television. However, its biggest critique has always been the lack of dark-skinned representation on the show, which I feel is a very valid critique. Absolutely. Um, how many show? How many seasons do they have? Five. Five. Come on now. Yeah, and even in its evolution of going to grownish, um, they've caught in flag because a lot of the dark, a lot of the women in the show are not dark-skinned. Um, Here's my take. <laughs> Here's my take. I'm obvious. I obviously support um, our dark-skinned uh, folks on this conversation because when you're not the one being represented, it's really hard to tell somebody else how they feel about something because that's how they feel. True. And you don't live that life, and because you have a privilege to not live that life. Can't tell them how to feel about themselves, especially. However, the one thing that I will say is, what can these actors do? Then <laughs> what do I mean by that is, don't attack the actors for the lack of dark skin representation. They're not showrunners. They don't write the show. You know what I'm saying? They don't have actual legit executive power in these positions to demand who's going to be casted and who's not. 
like um what are the two young girls that are signed to Beyonce? Haley and um what's her sister's name? Oh, that's gonna kill me. Haley and they're they're so good. Oh my god, they are great, and that makes me feel worse because I can't remember. I see them, I can hear them, I can't I can remember <laughs> the other name. Chloe and Haley. Chloe. Yeah, the I kids mean. are all right as a bop. It's a really good album. Super. Talented. It's just also hard for me to identify with their music because I'm older, but it's cute, and I know that it's very talented. Can. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. They have, I know they have lyrics. Beautiful but. voices, for sure. But. Those girls were like cast before the show was even like really put together. Like they had asked them like way ahead of time. Like they knew what they wanted. Like they knew what would work. And to their credit, it works because it still tells great stories. You know, there should be at least an additional dark skin character. Some, some like a woman, please, preferably. Um, but I watched like their colorism episode. For season five today. How was that? And it was good. Um, offered a great introspection and kind of like spoke Tika Sumter into existence of playing Rainbow's mother in the spinoff. Now, Rainbow's mother in Blackish is originally a, a very much a light skinned, racially ambiguous woman. And she'll now be playing Tika Sumter, who is obviously a, very much a dark skinned woman. Yeah. Um, and it's a period piece in the 80s. They're trying. So I give them credit for not just speaking something into existence, but now actually telling the story and telling it with a dark-skinned woman. I, I want to see where that goes. I like Tika Sumter as an actress, as a television actress. I know that being on ABC will elevate her profile. Also working for ABC maybe means she's a step closer to becoming Storm since it's owned by Disney, which also owns Marvel, which I'm showing I'm a nerd right now. <laughs> <laughs> But I do want her to be Storm. So but pretty much Disney owns everything. Disney owns everything, bro. Everything the, goes back to Disney. Everything <laughs> is this big fucking monopoly, but they're giving me an MCU universe, and that's why I'm not going to complain. And they're slowly going to control all of our breaks. But I'm going to get Fantastic Four. Like, bro, you got to think about it for a second. I just got Spider-Man riding on a unicorn with Valkyrie carrying an infinity gun. Yeah, they snap. Disney can do whatever the fuck they want. They're like, oh, we just going to do what we want to do. We're going to literally give you a full load. Like, <laughs> like yes, violent. you wanted it, lather, lather the fuck up. Like, seriously, okay? Like, wild. Disney can do what they want, bro. Like... I, I want to hear your take on this. Like, I, like, tell me, like, what you think, bro. Like, we're both non-light-skinned people. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. I come from the dark skin tribe. <laughs> no <laughs> wrong with that. <laughs> That's nothing wrong with that. Highly <laughs> represent. <laughs> we're, we're, it's full effect. It's not play. It's not for play. <laughs> we play for keeps. Why Bro. is Michael Rappaport in a picture with John Singleton in Ice Cube? <laughs> God, that mayonnaise ass. Bro, he looks like the herpes puppet from Dave Chappelle. God. You, do you remember that on Chappelle's show? I know show? exactly. <laughs> I'm the herpes. I got blocked by Michael Rappaport because I said he looked like the herpes Muppet from Dave Chappelle. That honestly is a badge of honor. Like, 
Because he has a picture where he has herpes on his he lips. He literally looks like he dies and resurrects every morning. Like, what the fuck, bro? Like, he looks like a jar of spoiled mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> it's very spoiled mayonnaise. Oh, shit. I gotta stop. But anyway, your take. Your take. Goodness. I'm, uh, I'm straightening up. <laughs> Wait, my take on what? Uh... The the mixed dish. Oh, the take on <laughs> mixed dish. Okay, yeah. we're never gonna get through this. <laughs> Yo, so come on, like I watched the first few seasons of Blackish because if you put black people on TV, I'm gonna watch it, mm-hmm. and uh, it was funny, it was thoughtful, but it was pretty light, you know, and I felt like that could have been better and so i i'm not gonna lie i was not super excited when i saw the title mixed dish uh just because you know what the track record wasn't great Mm. right so i mean like i said i'm always i'm always rooting for black people i'm gonna give it a benefit i'm gonna watch you know the first couple of episodes but i'm not gonna say you know, there's a great track record here. That's my take. It's not hot. It's not spicy. It's just, it's right there. It's right you know, there. It's, that's, this is how I feel. <laughs> I, mean, I like that. No, I feel, mm, I feel like we, we, we hold some, we hold, I think one of our biggest problems is sometimes we hold each other, we hold our people up to such a high standard. Yeah, and it's it's. I can understand why we do because we should be more mindful. Um, we should be more mindful of the power that we have at that level. I think that that's something to revere and respect. I think that's why you see a lot of people take the platforms that they have a little bit more seriously now. Sometimes. Even the times when they're not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I hope that I hope that Mixed Dish finds a better name. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I also hope it's that just, it's not that hot, man. I it's not that. Know, hot. I don't know. It, was, it don't slap. Grownish slap. Grownish was really. really Grownish is kinda, cute. It's cute. Like it it's, works. It, it's a little. It's like you know we already we have adulting and like grownish is kind of like some. It's there. Yeah. It evokes that, but so, so, yeah, mixed is just it's kind of lazy. I'm not even gonna it's, lie. It, it's it's really lazy because I feel like here's the thing. It the, just seems tone deaf to like the the the, the, the creator the, of, the creator of Blackish. I think it's Kenya Burris. Yes. Say. He's getting ready to move to Netflix anyway because they paid him all that money. So I'm like, bro, why are you still coming up with TV shows? Like, I get you trying to get a bag, but you just got a bag. Netflix is collecting writers like Infinity, Infinity Stones. Stones. Yo. Like, just the heavy hitters. And they're getting... Bro, they're paying these black people. Bro, they have a whole department called Strong Black Leads. Bro, they just told me they, what 10 They black- recognize they're like, yo, Disney's about to drop Disney+. Plus. And and that should look six ninety nine. And we need we need to have seventy dollars a year. We need to have a deep bench. Listen, bro. We have to have a deep bench because like they lost they lost all of Marvel. Um, all Marvel content. Well, I think they'll keep um, 
they'll keep the Luke Cage and all those others because they have rights to those but they give up the right to recreate them in like three years that's why they canceled all the shows they went ahead and canceled them because they're like when we reboot these in like two three years they'll be in the MCU and also the like bro the money that they're spending on like like the TV shows that they're coming out for Marvel like they're doing a a WandaVision show then they're doing a Falcon, a Falcon and Winter and, Soldier and, show, which I think is gonna be dope because these shows are gonna have Game of Thrones type budgets. Because here's what we know: I, the they th- can print money. Did you watch Inhumans? I didn't, but I. Here's the thing: since they canceled it, now we can actually get a film. They fucked that shit up. They did. They made they made a horrible decision Trash. because it should have been a movie in the first place. But they they but they they gassed it up. They're like, yo, we're gonna shoot the first few episodes in IMAX. We're gonna do all this. Shit. We're gonna drop it. I remember I went because they they dropped I think the first two episodes in theaters. It was bad. And I was I was I didn't watch it in theaters. I watched it on Hulu. And I was like, what the fuck is this? It was bad. It was it was horrible. And I'm glad they canceled that shit. But I'm just like, you know, what's really funny. They if so, Black Panther, it's Avengers, Black Panther Quest. It's on. So I have. I didn't know I had Disney because my mom gave me a Comcast account. Appreciate is it the one with Shuri, Shuri in it? As Black yeah, Panther. It's, no, it's is um, it's him. Is the animated it's, one? Yes, yeah, it's, it's T'Challa's Black Panther, and she's in it. But. Um, I know He's, this is on Disney. Yeah, yeah I've, on Disney. I've seen like it's maybe It's really half of an good. Episode. It's like sixteen episodes. I haven't finished it yet, but um, I started watching it like a couple days ago, and it's actually really good. I was like, I could see a kid enjoying this. You know what I'm saying? It looked. I watched the trailer. I didn't have. I was trying to find. I think I have Disney on Roku or some shit like that. But I'm trying. Bro, to I will that. give you this password to watch this shit. It's actually pretty good. It looked um, great. Um, but I watched it, and they had an episode with the Inhumans. Um, because they had Kamala Khan on there, and Kamala Khan um, is an Inhuman as well. So um, she's Miss Marvel. So I also didn't get how they're gonna do it having Inhumans, and because this wasn't it through ABC. Who did it was through ABC, but it it's basically ABC? gonna be through Hulu now, like with but, them. But I think with who, does, uh, who does who um, does Agents of Shield. Is it Agents of Shield? ABC? Agents of Shield is gonna still stay on ABC. But like what I didn't understand when it first came out is like. There are Inhumans in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. I think what they should do is that I think they should scrap it for 10 years. Like, they've already scrapped it. But right. so it's out of continuity. So what they should do is they should do an Inhumans movie. If you're going to do the Celestials, do an, do, like, do, an, do an Inhumans movie. Like... And humans have it never was a been storm t- movie, yo. Honestly, you were right, though. Sorry to... No. Like, the storm, we need them. Uh, yeah. I would love to. If my my dream scenario would have been Black Panther, because the country that she's from is not that far from Wakanda on the map, and her being worshipped as a storm as a goddess, and he goes to visit, you know, the anomaly that's going on, and then he sees her, whatever, for the first time. I don't think that they should be together in the. I do not want that to happen. Don't want that to happen. Um. I really like the trajectory of Lupita. She could potentially become a villain. That's also up in the air. Um, Namor might be in the picture, which I'm really excited for. Um, Doctor Doom, like 
Liber- like with Liberia, like there's so much that they can do now. Like here's it like you know what nobody's been asking the question of? What? Who bought Avengers Tower? Did the Baxter family buy it? Or or did Norman Osborne buy it? I'd like, love to see Oscorp. Like I'm really interested to see like the lat like this new Spider-Man preview that came out and they showed the clip of him like talking to the longer clip of him talking to Mysterio about the multiverse. And they're really starting to show Spider-Man being a nerd, like and being into like like quantum physics and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I think that's like really cool that they're showing that aspect of him. So he said he wants to do like twenty movies. <laughs> Holland does. Yeah, he made a joke about it anyway. You see the, do you see his, uh, his, his, his Instagram today? No. Nah. So he like tagged every. It was like him, Zendaya, and um, and Genki, the other guy, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tags Zendaya like on his dick. because <laughs> um, I think they're dating. Um, and she was like, I don't think you know how technology works. And I was like, I think he knows exactly how it works, and he's just flexing. Because if he is dating her, you know, that's my Spider-Man. That's my Spider-Man. That's why he's the greatest. Yeah, I really hope they give her a lot more lines in this movie. I think they are. I was was mad when I saw her in the last... I was just excited to see her, and they just didn't give her that many lines. I just... The only thing I love... And I I, I said this the other day. um, I'm happy that you know, the Uncle Ben storyline is not being used. It, guys, Uncle Ben is just a plot device. I hate to break it to you. He's always been just a plot device. In no Spider-Man movie that we've ever seen has he ever been expanded upon as a character outside of him dying. Period. Like, you don't learn any background about him. You just know him as Peter, Peter Parker's uncle and the person who inspires him to be Spider-Man. And what I say to the MCU Spider-Man, Tom Holland, who Stan Lee says is the best representation of him. And what I say to that is, give Tom Holland a chance. Well, I think we've given him a chance because I've enjoyed every movie that they made with him. Not just him being, you know, uh, what was it? Homecoming, but also as far, far from home gets here. I think what's interesting about it is seeing Tony be his his Uncle Ben instead. And he's really inspiring him to be an Avenger, um, something bigger than himself. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. like he's like, I like why don't you call, you know, Captain Marvel? You know, she's busy. He's like, Do I really have to do this? I'm he's like like, bitch, you've been in space. Like, bro, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, you rode a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Right, you know, with uh, wasn't a unicorn. It was a Val. He rode uh, a Pegasus with Valkyrie holding an Infinity Gauntlet, bro. Like, bitch, you're Iron Man. (laughs) 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 Fuck, (laughs) go be a superhero, G. So he's. I think he's learning how to embrace that, and I think that's truly beautiful to see that, Um, because now you're seeing him have emotionally have emotional depth for a character that you had a connection with for 10 years. Right. So it's a so you have a backstory for this character as well as bridging his emotional connection to this new character who he saw as a son. Like 
So it, it's full circle for you. So in the next 10 years, whatever Spider-Man does, whether he gives his mantle to Miles in 10 years, or maybe it's before that if this multiverse shit is real. Like, this multiverse shit is real. I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Because they said Earth 616 in that, in like that special clip that they showed. They do? Yeah, they say this is... They say this is like Mysterio says this is Earth six one six. Yeah, he uh, well in the preview they don't show that part, but they showed a little dialogue, and that's from that part. I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, and he says this is Earth six one six. He's like from Earth three five nine or something, something like that. Like I can't remember what number he said, but I was like, oh, either this is an Easter egg or this nigga's lying. I still think he's lying. I don't believe him. Like, but if they're going to blow their wad and they're going to give us the multiverse now and start laying the groundwork for it because they want to do secret wars, like, give it to me. Take my money. Take, take, take my money because I want to see it. Can't wait till Adam Warlock gets here. When Space Jesus gets here, everything's getting fucked up. I can't wait. Can't wait. Um... So, what else we got? So let's talk music, bro. Yeah. Just passed the orange cord. Yeah. Just passed the orange cord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to play that fly shit. Sly families don't ride shit. Even if you don't smoke. Get hot shit, lay back like this, that, this, that, this, that vibe Finally got off work like this, that, this, that ride to vacation Across 110th Street was blazing for the motherless children that related to Mahalia I know you tired of that you can't feel it in your heart Let the music be your secret lover like Atlantic Star New Birth Wildfly was that jamming shit by far And Eddie Kendrick's voice that have you singing in your car I know, I know, I know Marvin played at your home But that's the reason why your parents had to get it on that's the reason why you're probably here anyway Don't fret, you can play that bullshit any day But I'm just saying it's a whole catalog of analog The warmest sounds you ever saw past the Oxford You ain't jamming, you ain't jamming Just past the Oxford You ain't jamming, you ain't jamming Just past the Oxford You ain't jamming, you ain't jamming Just past the Oxford what you listening to, man? <clears throat> All right, what am I listening to right now? Yo, I've been listening to... It's summertime. Mm-hmm. And so, as... As the days get warmer and longer, my ear, my heart, you know, floats across the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to lots and lots of Afro beats right now. I listen to lots of Afro fusion. Um, you know, I was listening to... Uh, Wiz Kid, uh, I'm listening to these guys, Merkston, uh, Trezor, uh, of course, Burna Boy, uh, can't forget Temi, Kwesi, Arthur. So I'm listening to that, but I'm also listening to Rico Nasty's new oh, management. Yes. She snapped on that yes. joint. Schoolboy Q is on this uh, crash talk, also going hard. Stormzy just dropped this Vasi Bob. Uh, I'm rocking with that heavy too. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I mean, I'm listening to. I haven't really hit a. Sometimes I hit a groove when I'm listening to music. Right mm. now, I'm kind of just listening to a lot of different things. Mm. But it's 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 vibes. What about you, man? I don't know. So actually, I do know. 
I am listening to uh, Tierra Wax's new track, Unemployed, which is absolutely amazing. I'm still listening to Ventura, um, Anderson Pack. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a groove. Like yeah. Anderson Pack is. <laughs> somebody said Anderson Pack is a is, is a menthol. 100 in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but that makes sense. Like, bro, he's the coolest guy. He makes me feel like the 70s were so cool. Yeah. Like, his voice is like, that track with him and Andre, that's the hardest 16. Like, Andre will always give you, the reason why I think Andre is the greatest is because Andre can pop up on one track whenever he wants to and it'll be probably the most talked about verse that or the most underrated verse that year like i know people will never consider him the greatest because he never gave us a rap album but andre alone is one of the best rappers of our time and when he gives you a verse like that on the end like everybody always like even he said he didn't think he'd get anderson like he wouldn't he didn't think he'd get andre like to get him to send him a verse what? Yeah, no, they snapped all on that. Yeah. For real. Um, I'm listening to Megan Thee Stallion. Um, I'm listening to uh, Pivot Gangs, You Can't Sit With Us, which is really good. Um, I really love Saba. Shout out to The Baby. Yeah, I'm listening to The Baby. Uh, I'm listening to Lizzo. Anger Management, Rico Nasty, Kenny Beats, amazing. Um, Schoolboy Q, Crash Talk, amazing. I'm listening to Beyonce's Lemonade again. Because I'm uh-huh. listening to Homecoming as well. Uh, Beyonce Lemonade is, pfft, listen, great. Um, I'm listening to uh, Fonte's Pacific Time EP, which if you have not heard that, oh my God. Fonte was really ahead of his time. And I don't think people give him his credit. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to Pink Sweats. Um course i'm listening to q q is i mean i said it earlier but i'm listening to ari lennox shea butter baby and that might be that might be the summer that might be the album of the summer bro like listening to that like the 20 somethings like black girls who just trying to fuck (laughs) and like not talk to you afterwards like you just want to get high um, <laughs> you're trying to figure out you moved into your new apartment like that is that is all you and I love it like that is all like, this is a lot of great music coming out right now yeah I love it. I really that do. trill that trill static with Bum B and static selector mm-hmm. that is really good mm-hmm. like I was like whoa Snow Allegra dropped like two two singles like out of nowhere I love Snow Allegra um, and Carrie Foe has an EP out. So there's a lot of good music out. I'm, I always usually like to... Um, what's, your, what's your problematic bop right now? My problematic bop? <laughs> I always got a problematic bop in here somewhere. Let's see. Let's see. Mm. While I'm pulling this up, do you have one right off the top? I do. My problematic bop right now is Old Town Road. I love that. What is problematic about Old Town Road? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's nothing problematic about it. There's nothing problematic about it, but um, 
I wonder how long is the I'm like I'm waiting. I want more of the yeehaw agenda. <laughs> I want more. Um, I feel that. I want more of the problem. I, I need more of that um, yeehaw agenda. Like yeah. I needed in my life. Um, hmm. I need to listen to this. Do you listen to Little Sims? Nah. She's from England. She's from London, I think. Um, oh, talking about London Town. Shout out to my guy Jay Huss. Came out, <laughs> just dropped this dope ass single. Mm. It's been on repeat. Uh, Daily Duppy featuring GRM Daily. Yeah, I want to get an Afro beast, bro. You got to send me some stuff. Yo, I got you, man. Like, I that's one thing you. I've always, like, I've never, like, the last two years, I've spent the last two years listening to female hip-hop because I told myself I really just want to dive into it and I really want to listen to it because I'm tired of people saying that it doesn't exist, you know? So I really spent time and I asked my friends that really listen to music, I'm like, yo, send me some good, like, female rap, rap music. Like, I want to hear it. And like people sent me so much stuff, like that's how I found No Name, um, that's how I found Tierra Wag. Listen uh, to Chica? No, I don't listen to Chica. Oh, you got to. She's Montgomery, bro. And she's oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, I know who she is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's in LA now. Yeah, I know exactly yeah, who that is. She's I'll take that back. I, I do know who that is. Um, just did a dope shoot today, I think. Or I saw some pictures from a dope ass shoot she did. Shout out, Chica. Um, but like, I really like listening to these girls rap like making the stallion can fucking rap bro and it make like that is so great like like these women got bars <laughs> i'm like some like yeah I'm, I'm not meant to get all of it you know what i'm saying because i, I I'm, a, I'm a cis hetero black man like i know i can't i know i can't understand all of it but i can bop to it and if it's got a bop i'm with it like I'm for it's, the music. It's serious it's bars, man. Yeah, like, they got some serious bars. Like they're really rapping. Popping. I'm rocking with it. Heavy. Uh, so now we gotta talk about these stupid white people. Um we'll be right back. <laughs> Ain't nothing new but a fluid new Democrats and Republicans. Red state versus a blue state. Which one you governing? They give us guns and drugs, call us thugs, making they promise to fuck with you. No condom, they fuck with you. Obama say what it do. Obama say what it do. Yo, we back. Had a snack break. <laughs> Shout out to Apple Pies. You know what it is. Yeah, gang. 20-second <laughs> <Twenty> microwave. <laughs> and you're in bliss. Clutch AF. Yeah. Shout out to Lil Debbie. Okay. Here you are. So, um, this topic is called Democrips and Rebloodigans. Um, because I really like um, Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. I think that that is... One of the greatest pieces of music that has ever been made in the last at least three decades. I mean, it's pure art. That's I, what it I, is. Do you do you know that Kendrick Lamar won a Pulitzer Prize <laughs> for that fucking album, and black people think it's trash? How, like, how dare you? 
You know, I don't even like this whole thing about people think. I, which black people think that album's trash? Like, really, I, I really want to talk to these to these guys. <laughs> like, dead ass. After listening to Dissect, which is one of my favorite podcasts, if you have never heard Dissect, I always tell people to listen to it. Each season, they take one album and they dissect it by the music. Kanye's album. Yeah, like the the first time I ever heard it was My Beautiful Twisted Fantasy. Right. My Beautiful Twisted some, Dark Fantasy. Yeah. And um, amazing. And they've done, I want to say they did Channel Orange. They've done uh, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And they've done several others. Um, they're actually in season right now. And I want to say... If I look at my library, because it's it's that amazing. Like I gotta listen to it. The way that they break down music is amazing, and when they break down to Pimp a Butterfly, you understand why Kendrick Lamar made such a great album, and why he like his biggest enemy is himself in that like in that piece of music, and that's what makes it beautiful. That's what making that's what making music's about, man. I understand how you could hate that. Yeah. I mean, that, if you love black people, if you love black music, there's no way you don't love that out because that's what it was. It was a celebration. It just, it, it, of it, every it, form it, of music created. You talk, we're talking about jazz, funk. We're talking, these, these things that are like kind of the back, the bones of. Oh, he did Flower you know, Boy. I didn't know he did Flower American music tradition. He, he, he drew from that. You know? So he's doing Flower Boy right now. Ah. Oh. Tyler the Creator, genius. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my Doctor Twist Fantasy, Kendrick Lamar, um, and then Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. All really great, amazing. Please go check them out. But um, Democrats and Rebut Blood Against. Obviously, this was gonna be my Fuck You Friday, but. I mean, I hate white people, but the fuck you Friday I got is good. Um, so amid the flurry of new limits on abortion being sought in states around the nation, Alabama is weighing a measure that would go further than all of them, outlawing most abortions most entirely. The effort in Alabama where the state Senate could vote as soon as Thursday, which they delayed the vote today, is unfolding as Republicans emboldened by President Trump and the shifting alignment of the Supreme Court intentionally a long-running campaign to curb abortion access. Yet, the Alabama measure is also a departure from the incremental strategy that abortion critics have often pursued. There is nothing gradual about the sweeping ban that, that the state's lawmakers are considering. Alabama's measure would effectively ban most abortions at every stage of pregnancy from conception on and would criminalize the procedure for doctors. A doctor could be charged with a felony and face up to 99 years in a 10-year prison term for attempting an abortion. Some exceptions were considered, con considered, including provisions added to the measure on Wednesday that would allow abortions in the case of rape or incest. Yo, this is like Handmaiden's Tale type shit. Alabama hates women. America hates women. women. <laughs> this is it's it's but people will die because of this. Like women people, will die. Women of this. women will die and the children that you're trying to protect will die. This is what this yo. I just want people to stop saying that they're pro life cuz that's not what this they're is pro all birth. about. They're pro birth. They're pro birth. 
because you don't care about the life of that child once it once it enters existence. You just wanted it to be born. There are thousands and thousands of children right now that are cycling through um, uh, the child services system. People not, that need families. Not only there's, there's so many like th there these are people don't care about life. They don't care about kids. Bro, this there's, is there's just children, there are children that are separated from their families at the border. And mass incarceration is child separation. That's literally what it is. You literally, do, people, right now there's been an 800% increase in the uh, incarceration rates of women in the United States over the last 40 decades. Half of the, the majority of these women are young women with single children. Mm -hmm. And research shows that if a parent is incarcerated, your child is like five, six times more likely to end up uh, incarcerated the, themselves. I mean, no, this is a, like the thing. America has been separating children from their parents since fucking slavery. Yeah. And this shit is some, it's really fun. So this whole thing about it being pro, you're not fucking pro-life. That's not what this shit is about. Yeah, it's not, bro. And it's wild because like this shit's happening in Alabama, same shit in Georgia. Same I saw some Louisiana. shit in Louisiana. Um, yo, it just like, I don't watch that show but it sounds a lot like it yeah <laughs> like it is and like would you even look at these heartbeat band laws bro like they literally make no sense like but also I, we were, were just talking about this there are zero laws on the books in america that determine that that are focused on you know determining anything about male genitalia it's kind of wild that like this is like people think that it's okay that a majority like white male institution or body dictates or writes laws around what women do do with their own bodies and that i think that's absolutely wild. that's really what this is like what it comes at, like I, how do you like that is that is like pure patriarchy like that's what that is yeah i had a friend call me today right and she was telling me this story about how this dude she um she met, she hooked up with this guy and he asked, they had been talking for a while or whatever, but he asked about birth control, right? Didn't use a condom, but she was like, why are you asking me about that now? Like the deed's done. Like now you're concerned about that? Like, bro, patriarchy and misogyny have tricked us into believing that we shouldn't be sexually responsible. Like just in general. Like, think about that for a second. And then think about how much we police women genitalia. Like, he literally policed her and was like, yo, well, are you on the pill or are you not on the pill? Like, you're not saying are you on the pill because I don't want to have a... Like, you're not saying you're am I on the pill, like, because that doesn't protect her from STDs and protect you from STDs or STIs. You ask me, are you on the pill because you just want to come inside of her? Like, that's literally the only reason why you want to do it. I get it. It's great. It's awesome sauce, right? Because you're making awesome sauce. Um, but, <laughs> like, at the end of the day, there's nothing to police you and what you do. You know what I'm saying? Like, this all falls back on a woman because these stupid-ass old white men, like, really don't give a fuck. Like, you just said it. They've been separating families for years. Like, it should surprise no... And, and that that really made me shut up for a second because I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even realize this. 
But that's because this is we are, we work in prisons, and every the one number one thing that incarcerated people talk about yeah. is literally just the separate the isolation, being separated from their families. When you talk to like children who like that's that's one of the craziest things, most fucked up things about the war on drugs. It literally destroyed families. Yeah, because it took out generate like young men, fathers, brothers. Uh, sisters, take. mothers, literally are being thrown into prison. Like you, we had, right now we have an opioid crisis. Imagine if all these people who are being affected by the opioid crisis, instead of us treating them, we incarcerate we them. We incarcerate them. We separate them from their families. We isolate them. We throw them in prisons. We overcrowd these prisons. We underfund them. We understaff them. They become these violent uh, areas where they're like literal death camps. Yeah. We're not even provided. You know what I never realized today? These people then, they're traumatized, their family, it's generational then. Then you, it does, because that doesn't impact one individual, it impacts a family. If it impacts a family, it impacts a community. And then not only that, we, we hate these people, like as a society, we have been groomed to hate these people so much that we won't even put condoms inside of these places. Because sexual abuse is going on in there as well. Not just sexual abuse, but Men can't even express themselves freely, or women can't express themselves freely. Like, they're ripping children out of their arms as soon as they're born. Like, they're not feeding women, like, that are carrying children for two, for two people. They're feeding them, like, just one meal for one person. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that is inhumane as fuck. Like, like Alabama prison system has, in, in America, it's a human rights crisis. Yeah, uh, and it's um, and it's a it's, it's taking the, lives every. We're day. the only country that's making billions of dollars off of it. Yeah, America is number one when it comes to incarceration. Yeah, how do you have more people in prison than they do in China? And China has a billion people. It doesn't make any sense. America has five percent of the world's total population, and it incarcerates twenty five percent of the world's prison population. That means that one in every four prisoners in the entire world is in American prison or jail. But you know what makes, the, the, and this is a recent phenomenon, 1970s around 300,000 people in jails and prisons. Today there are over 2.27 million people incarcerated in American jails and, and prisons. And the majority of them are not even, are not even non-violent offenders. Right, but, that, but if you include the people who are on probation, on parole, that number balloons out to 8 million people who are under surveillance of our criminal justice system. But I actually think the statistic that's most illuminating is that of um, our jails. We have about 10 million people annually who cycle through jails, and that's mostly because of cash bail. Mm. You have people who are in jail pre-trial because they can't afford. To they can't bail. afford to pay bail, mm. and so they're literally stuck. And what ends up happening then is people who aren't guilty plead guilty because they got to get home. You've got a family. You put. You work an hourly job. So you, you miss a guilty. day. You lose your, your job. job. You lose your livelihood. You have a community or family that's relying on you. So what do you do? You plead guilty. They give you a court date. You have to come back. You're going to have to find a way to get through this, right? Right. But then you end up in a situation where you've pled guilty. Now you have a record. Mm-hmm. A record, there's a whole series of things that, that a domino right. effect, right? And so we criminalize poverty in America. Yeah. The yeah. opposite of poverty is not wealth. The opposite of poverty in this country is justice. Yup. So now nah, that's it's it's some it's some these you know, don't even get me started talking about prisons, man. No, like 
Uh, I was gonna say, shout out to Free Black Mamas. Um, Free Black Mamas um, is an organization that you can donate to that is bailing um, black women out of jail for Mother's Day. Yeah, I've um, been doing some work, Fulton County. Yep, and you can donate too. Um, please do. Um, go to secure.at secure.atblue.com get these black women out of jail so they can see their kids like I don't understand like why churches don't collectively do freedom funds to bail people out of prison and well not prison to bail them out of jail like there should be nobody there should not be hundreds of people sitting in Montgomery County Jail right now it's absolutely ridiculous. So, like, you know I do voting rights, and I go into prisons um, to register people to vote and register people to vote in jail because you're not convicted of a crime yet, so you still have voting rights. Um, it is amazing. Like, I've been working at um, a juvenile facility in Mount Meigs, Alabama, and it is amazing seeing people. These are children. Like, I met a kid who was 14 years old. He's going to be in there till he's 21. So the first, so all of his adolescence is going to be behind bars. And I was like, are you kidding me? This society has failed. Yeah. Like that's, that's what that, that in and of itself is an indictment. I guess this is like, how, how does that, how does that happen? How like does, in, in what world? So literally, let me, t so for one, how do you put a child, a 14 year old, how do you condemn them? to that time. Because for one, children literally have a biological capacity to change for redemption, right? Because we argue this in front of the Supreme Court, your brains aren't fully developed until you're in your early 20s. Right. Right. So why, it's, it's just wild to me that this country, like, and, and I'm probably going to, I'm assuming, but I highly doubt that I'm incorrect, and so this child is probably a black or brown kid. He's black. Yeah. Right, because and we've seen this to be the case where it's disproportionately poor black and brown children who aren't seen as children; they're seen as something else. Yeah, right. Like there is an anti-black. There's an anti-blackness that's connected. Oh, absolutely, to it. that's because they see these kids as not. Be, they see them as being threats, as they being see, danger, dangerous, they see not as, as being children, as people that we need to take care of as a society. Like we're supposed to protect them, not throw them in fucking cages. They see them as subhuman. And that shit, they yeah. still look at them as three fifths. Like, it's it's kind of like the conversation that we were that was had um, this week when um, Brian Stevenson and Hannah, um, how did they Wells was Nicole Hannah Jones. Nicole Hannah Jones. Um, what's the conversation she was having? Like, we have turned our nose up at the thought of some of public things. And it's rooted in anti-blackness. And we're doing the same thing with people in prison. Like, this is why it's so easy to lock these kids up. Like, this whole pull yourself up by the bootstraps thing is bullshit. And then on top of it being bullshit, you cannot blame yourself for a condition that is system that you've systemically been placed, like you've been systematically placed into. Like there is no, you can, you should not have to take responsibility for this because this was done intentionally against you. This is why the case for reparations matters so much because you've literally been, been, you've been bent over and you've been fucked 
for about 40 years. Well, we live in a society where race and class determine life outcomes. These yeah. are arbitrary things. Yeah. So and there's and so the fact the fact the fact that this is the case is rooted it's it's really basic. The the only reason this is the case is because of a history, right? right? You have a society that was built on hierarchy and those hierarchies have never really they were never dismantled in any real way and they've continued to function as they were designed. And so what we need to do is understand and address the narratives that justify because like we're okay with it because people believe a lot of people do believe that black people deserve to be in prison or that people yes. are violent or that people need these or that people need to pull themselves up from their bootstrap like th those are narratives right mm -hmm. and so it's uh yeah nah, it's, it's 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 crazy man it's bullshit but you know yeah, um, I mean, Alabama doesn't mind getting this, this shit sued out of him. Um, shout out to our boys, our friends at the ACLU. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're going to sue the shit out of him. And um, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, I mean, we know this is all a ploy for it to hit the Supreme Court. Um, also, people also ask me all the time, like, what should we do? Impeach these judges? Like... Trump has elected 96 people, like I want to say 96 judges and counting into lifetime positions, like has approved them and they have pushed them through. Republicans understand that they that they have a better chance than ever to change the court in their favor for life. Every single one of these judges, and this is how I also feel about the justice system. If we are going to fix our justice system, then we need to put every single judge on trial that is in a federal lifetime position, whether they be Supreme Court judges, whether they be state federal judges. We need to put them on trial. We need to look at their we need to look at their sentencing record. And if they have been disproportionately sentencing black people to jail, they need to be impeached and they need to be fired. Every single judge that Trump has elected or has selected rather. <laughs> needs to be impeached if he's impeached. Because yeah. if he's impeached, every single person that you've touched is now compromised. So every single judge needs to go. If you want true change inside the courtroom, because this is one of the biggest problems, right? Is inside the courtroom. Like we're dealing with judges who are handing down life sentences for petty crimes. And then the people who are in jail, they need to be freed already. Like the answer to this prison conversation for Alabama shouldn't be, oh, we need to build three more prisons. The answer should be, I need to let go of these people. And oh yeah, there's there are so many people in jails and prisons. Because you're wasting your money. Most like, of them shouldn't. Like if, if you want to be a country that makes money, you're wasting money. Well, you know, you're not wasting money because you were going to make poor people pay for it anyway with tax dollars like I think that's absolutely fascinating and and what they're doing to women like honestly frightens the fuck out of me and it just strongly disappoints me but it doesn't surprise me like <laughs> it, it is alarming to me yeah like how crazy these white folks are this is why I don't like talking about it. <sighs> I wish, <laughs> shout out to Dylan. I wish Dylan was here to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, check this out. We got one more segment. 
It's called Fuck You Friday. We told you about it earlier, so you should know what it is already. Um, and we got our Fuck You Fridays coming up next. Stay tuned. All right, so <laughs> we're back. What's up, Jonathan? Yo, yo, we're back. We got one more segment for you guys. It's my favorite segment because I just made it up like this week. Um, this segment has never been on any TGIF podcast segment, so this is new. Um, it's that new, new? It's that new, new. Okay. Yeah. Getting in for the low because it's free 99. Free <laughs> 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 ninety no. Uh, so yo, it's called Fuck You Friday. Um, so this fuck you is a shout out to the people I really can't stand. Um, John, do you want to go first? You want to be the inaugural Fuck You Friday? Introduce it, and I will jump right in. All right. So you want me to go first? I was about. I thought you were about to explain what it is. Oh, so oh, okay. Let's introduce it. So, a fuck you Friday can be a person, place, or thing that you just say fuck you to. Like it can be a situation. Um, it can be a group of people. It can be the red light that made you late for work today. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what's been on my mind, my G. All right. So who's your fuck you Friday? My my fuck you Friday is dedicated to some shit that I learned that really had me fucked up. Okay. I mean, fucked up this week. And we kind of talked about this, but, you know, I ended up having a longer conversation with, shout out to Nicole Hannah-Jones, uh, about this. But, you know, there's been this ongoing conversation uh, within the Democratic Party about reparations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and reparations to, uh, to the descendants of enslaved Africans in the United States uh, for hundreds of years uh, of enslavement. Right, we're in 2019. Uh, this is the 400th year anniversary of the first uh, enslaved Africans being brought to the United States, 1619, Jamestown, Virginia. Now, there's all sorts of things that are being said in this conversation about reparations, but I learned something the other week that had me really fucked up, and this is what I'm dedicating my Fuck You Friday to. And it is the fact that reparations actually were paid I repeat, after the Civil War, reparations were paid, but they weren't actually paid to formerly enslaved people as was promised by President Lincoln. They were paid to slave owners. So the Union actually, in this act, I'm gonna have to read this so I don't like mess this up for everybody. on April 16th, 1862, President Abraham Lincoln, this is before the Civil War, right, signed a bill emancipating enslaved people in Washington and the end of a long struggle. But to ease slave owners' pain, the District of Columbia Emancipation Act paid those loyal to the Union up to $300 for every enslaved person freed. That's right. Slave owners got reparations. Enslaved African Americans got nothing for generations of stolen bodies, snatched children, expropriated labor, other than their mere release from legal bondage. So, my Fuck You Friday goes to anybody who uh, is against reparations because everybody got fucking paid except for the people who did all the fucking work. It's about goddamn time that that shit 
that that bill is long past is long due. America has a debt and it needs to pay that shit in full. Run me my coin. All of them shits. All and of then them. like and then continue like it's it, it's a long list of niggas that need to be paid back. Yeah. Like Native Americans need their reparations. Yeah. Like we can go down the list. They did pay reparations to Japanese Americans. Yeah. And which is crazy. Which is wild, right? They took them to court for it. <laughs> um, I mean, they fought for it, like, legitimately. It's just like, I, <laughs> look, and reparations shouldn't just be the form of a check. Right. And I, I want to remind people that. Don't think that reparations is supposed to be a check. Also understand that Literally, the, bill, no the bill to pass for reparations to be studied has been on the floor for nearly 20 years. And now it's being actually discussed in a presidential election. So pay attention. Make sure that you research the bill. All right. And make sure that you look up legitimate organizations uh, in case of reparations. I'm going to make a promise next next week when we record this. I'm going to have um, a website legit that actually does the case for reparations. I was listening to an episode of AM Joy, and they had a person on there that was a reparations advocate. Um, And they were even saying, like, you have to be weary of conversations of reparations around presidential elections because even Republicans can use the case for reparations as a way to divide black people to dis- to discuss and argue it instead of it actually being legitimately conversed about and what it looks like. It's so it can be a divisive topic. It's what Absolutely. worried me. It, it's what worried me when the topic arose in the first place. And I will say real quick, like there is literally not a, a figure that you could put together that can totally account for how much is owed. Like, like I, I absolutely agree it's, with it's, what you said in that the conversation about reparations has to be so much more expansive. Yeah. And and broader mental than just mental than health just, has to be applied into it's, this. It's literally about restructuring this country, though. Yeah. Because it's a question about like reconstruction failed. We were literally it, living in the wreckage of a failed reconstruction, and reconstruction true. was supposed to be a process that transitioned a society that was a slave society into multiracial functioning democracy. Mm. That process did not work. It didn't. It was never completed. Mm. Reparations actually means. Reparational justice, transitional justice, rewriting a fucking constitution. Yep. It means, like, I mean, there's so much more that we could get into, but, you know, I want to let you talk about <laughs> what, you, what you mad about this for this Friday. Okay, check this out. My Fuck You Friday goes to all the people that are mad at Aisha Curry for this clip that ran across the internet. Um, from her red table talk with Jada Pickett Smith and the Pink and the Pick in the Smith family or whatever. So, after addressing the topic of women approaching her husband, Curry revealed about what irks her. She said, "Quote: Something that really bothers me and honestly has given me a sense and a little bit of secure of insecurity is the fact that yeah, there are all these women like throwing themselves at him, but me like the past ten years." I don't have all of that, I have zero. And this sounds weird, but like male attention. And so I begin to internalize and I'm like, is something wrong with me? All right, unquote. Now I went on to watch this full episode of the Red Table Talk G. All right, 
And there were so many topics discussed, um, and I think her comments deserve to be heard in full context. But what irks me is that people that are piling on her forget that this is that she's one still a black woman, and on a platform with other black women where they're discussing her insecurities in a safe space, and she's offering you a chance to showcase those insecurities to millions of people so that it helps someone dealing with those same problems, all right? Um, one thing I'm never gonna do is I'm never gonna silence a black woman when she is expressing herself and you cannot determine someone else's worth to what you value. Does that make sense? So I feel like, and like listening to the whole context of the conversation, what I really understood about this Curry family was like, it's like Dale Curry's wife, Tanya, and she had, you know, three kids. Now think about this for a second. Steph is married to Aisha, which she met when she was 15 years old after she moved from Canada. Seth is married to Doc Rivers' daughter. <laughs> and they, well, they're engaged and they have a child together, right? And then their youngest daughter dates a player um, she's a former volleyball player who has anxiety issues from concussions in her sport. And she's married to an NBA player um, that plays for the uh, Golden State Warriors. So all four of these women are dealing with living in a privileged world that we really don't understand. And what they're showing you basically is that this is much harder than what it looks like, but it takes four black women sticking together, even if you know they're from ge different generations, and you know, just extending that love and grace, you know, because these men work in different worlds that we quietly, that we quite frankly don't understand. And one of the biggest things that one of my biggest pain points about all of this is that people really don't understand. Like when Aisha's saying that women are really throwing themselves at Stephen Curry, like they're really throwing themselves at Stephen Curry. Like, like athletes live in a world of privilege where no one tells them no. And I don't think people really understand what that means. And it's what's even crazier is when the athlete understands that no one can tell them no. This is when racial, this is when sexual violence starts to happen. Um, and like domestic abuse in relationships start to happen because these, these players start to understand their power. Also the Trailblazers are leading the Nuggets right now in the fourth quarter, uh, entering the fourth quarter. Um, so shout out to Seth Curry because he plays for the Trailblazers. <laughs> shout out to yeah. Bro. So it's kind of for me what I wanted people to understand is like Aisha Curry has to just do, not only has to deal with this, but she's still trying to rediscover herself. Like mainly because of the fact that she had three kids back in 2015 when we first met Steph Curry. Uh, when Steph Curry really arose and he won his first championship and then we found out who his wife was She looked a lot different. All right. They had one kid She was very young then we fell in love obviously with their daughter and then they have two more kids She does not look like the same person and what do we know about like we've been in relationships with women where they don't feel They're prettiest and it doesn't how doesn't matter how many times we say well I love you regardless like that doesn't fix it because what did I say earlier? You can't dictate how somebody feels about themselves based on what you value. Like, and you have to remember that in these conversations. So I say fuck you to all of these people because y'all lacked empathy. And the main reason why y'all became apathetic is because you're listening, because what you see is a light-skinned woman with light-skinned privilege that's rich and she's worried about insecurity. 
and you look at her like you're rich, your husband is worth $40 million, forgetting that she also is kind of a, a great businesswoman because she's a cook and all of this and she has a TV show. So she's trying to juggle being a businesswoman, a wife and a mother at the same time. And one of the biggest things that she really talked about in that conversation that I was that I could understand was when she come when she walks into rooms with her husband, people automatically gravitate to him because she lives where? In Silicon Valley. All right, around a bunch of rich white nerdy white like white guys. And all they want to do is hang out with Steph Curry. But for Steph Curry, what he's learning is I'm in a space with these guys that know what's the next big thing and I can invest in that and make even more money, right? So he's in these circles, you know, trying to gain access, but these people are not interested in his wife. And she, that made her insecure and that made her feel small. And one thing that's lost, if you go watch the episode, which I would tell people to go do, is she talks about how she her husband worked through that and how now how he introduces her when they come into rooms and they're in these you know conversations and circles of, with people of power so she doesn't feel small and she's able to you know be herself and that that is something that is beautiful in a marriage and also it's one him understanding that I have a bigger profile than my wife probably bigger than I'll, my profile will probably always be bigger than hers because I'm an NBA superstar and so I have to always remember to make space for her as well and give her that platform. Like, and if you can't see, if you're still holding on to that shit that she said a couple years ago, I understand because I was a person who critiqued her for that, right? I didn't really like it that much. Like, it's not about like those comments about what she said about scantily clad clothing and what she's talking about now is rooted in the same insecurity that she's now sharing with you. She's willing to now tell you that, oh, I have a problem with I'm insecure about myself now. I don't feel like I may amount to the women. I may amount to the standard of what the women that are throwing themselves at my husband, even though he's not cheating on me. And but that still makes me feel less than. And she's trying to discover her way out of that. And she's giving you an intimate part of her life that you didn't even ask her to give you. And the first thing that you do is you shit on it because you don't like it. And you equate it to, oh, she wants just to be desired by men. Like for niggas on the internet that are like, well, what if men said that well, they just want to feel like they still got it and women to talk to them, that girls would be pissed off. It's not about the male gaze. It's literally about liking being liked. <laughs> yeah, people just being dense, man. People, like you're being people dense. understand exactly what she was you saying. You know what? You know what's crazy? Niggas will post stupid. a picture on Instagram, and if it don't get more than 10 likes by the end of the day, they delete it. Yeah. And then put it up at another different time. How can you, how can you be mad at Alicia? <laughs> how can you be mad at Aisha Curry for wanting to be liked? And then you post content on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook looking for likes and comments and impressions. You want retweets. You Cognitive want, dissonance. Like, like, exactly. Like, like you guys are kind of missing the big picture. These women were actually talking about dealing with anxiety issues and like how do they navigate through that. And like I didn't know that Doc Rivers' house was burned down when his daughter was a child. And they weren't at the home, but it was because he was married to a white woman and people didn't like that where he lived. 
And like this was this black girl's first experience, you know, biracial black girl with a white mother having an experience with racism. Um, That's wild. And so all the, but this is my thing. Like this sounds like a great episode, right? But we're only talking about this bullshit. So fuck you. You're right. <laughs> fuck them. Like. For real, fuck you, dog. Like, look at the bigger picture. Like, show some fucking empathy. Like, yes, you can still put yourself in somebody else's shoes, even if they're rich, because they're still fucking human beings. And make room for black women to make mistakes and grow the fuck up. You wanted, you said that this woman had insecurity issues three years ago, which is probably why she posted that tweet about black women wearing scantily clad clothing and her not liking that except for her husband. Okay, it sounds very pick me-ish. I get it. But also people grow the fuck up and start to realize that all of it was a fucking insecurity. And when they start to expose that, that means that they're unlearning things. I was not always this... I was not always a person that understood feminism. I was not always a person that said women and that used to say they used to call women females. Like I had to unlearn that stuff and it takes time and it also takes like you have to be given space by people. And sometimes people don't owe you space and you have to just go back into your shell and go work that shit out. But Google is free fucking 99 and you can look all this stuff up on that thousand dollar device that you have in your back pocket that you're listening to with this pod on this podcast right now. You just get like a so library card. And get a library get, card a and read a motherfucking book, you illiterate son of a bitch. Shout out to Bumby. <laughs> That's all I got. That's my fuck you Friday. Hey, that was solid AF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, solid as fuck. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to Aisha Curry. You're good in my book. I, you know, I hope that you can figure out why you like that you can find a deeper meaning of what that insecurity means and you start to really unlearn patriarchy. Like you can still be married and unlearn patriarchy. It's okay. Um, but I'm happy that you're taking steps forward. I could see it in the conversation. You don't got to admit to it. Um, but it's cool to see that. Um, it's cool to see people grow up and realize like, yo, I may have did something that was fucked up or said something that was fucked up, even if they haven't admitted it yet. <laughs> like, which McCullough gave us flower, like Tyler, the creator gave us flower boy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I think about it. Yeah. Like, Ty- he gave us flower boy. I can't wait for that new album next week. Oh my God. It's going to be hard. And Megan the Stallion Fever comes out too. <laughs> We, we, might have a, we might have another album of the summer already. <laughs> I'm with it. Yeah, I'm with 2019. it. It's good. All right, guys. So we'll be back next Friday. Um, this was fun. This I was like fun it, yeah. as fuck. Um, we'll come up with better names for the fucking topics. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like Fresh Squeeze, though. Fresh Squeeze got I stay. like Fresh Squeeze, <laughs> too. Democrips and Republicans is a bit much. But um, honestly, that's my favorite out of all of this shit. It was that was fun. That was honestly fun. So yo, if you want to tell us how we did, if you want to tell us this shit was shitty, um, or whatever, what you gonna do is you can actually leave a voicemail. Um, it's a voice message. You gotta download the Anchor app to do it. But 
the Anchor app is dope as fuck because you can make your own podcast and you can listen to people and make podcasts as well on this platform. It's a completely free platform, as I've said before, and it's dope as fuck. Um, not to mention, you can actually record from anywhere with your friends. So if Jonathan's like in another city or whatever, we can just call him and we can just podcast on the phone because your iPhone and your iPad and your little Android device, because I don't know which one you're using, have excellent microphones on their, on on those devices and you can record from anywhere, right? And you can edit it inside of the, and inside of the app. Um, and you can add music to it as well. Um, so it's a pretty dope app. And also on top of that, you can just create an account and if you wanna leave us a voice message, just look up Thank God I'm Fresh Podcast, and then hit leave voice message. You can leave us a question. Um, if you got a question about adulting, because um, <laughs> I got questions too. I Me might, too. I might send some to myself. Yo, just but send yo, them along. We'll add them to the list. But yo, if you send the voice message, we'll play it on the show. So they'll hear you ask your question, and then we'll answer it. And then we'll name that topic or <laughs> whatever. Um, we should name it like don't don't leave no voicemail on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're gonna name don't it. leave no voicemail on my phone. phone. Nigga text yo. me. <laughs> yo, straight up. <laughs> Nigga text me, dog. Don't send me no Just fucking text voicemail. Me, dog. Chill out. Yeah. It's not that serious. Yeah. Man, foo foo. <laughs> Shit, I ain't with it. No, I think nah, for real. But yeah, I I really want to engage with you guys. I want to have conversations. Um, like if you're dope, um, don't like if you dope, send some dope shit. Just don't send me no mixtape. Um, well, fuck that. Nah, 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 because y'all going to send some mixtapes. I ain't with that shit. No, do not send your fucking mixtape. You got anything to tell people? Um, Y'all be safe. Be easy. Uh, I feel like that's that's on my mind right now. I'm going to be in Birmingham, like, on Monday. I got to go get a hotel room and stuff. I'm probably going to get an Airbnb. Um, shout out to my job, because my job's really cool. Um... They, they got really cool people there. Um, shout out to Jonathan for doing this because Jonathan's a really cool person. Hey, shout out to you for having me, man. This is good. We're just chopping it up. Yeah. Um, shout out to my new portrait. A great day in Harlem. <laughs> great day in Harlem. Shit. Yeah. It's Y'all know the classic. This is brought to you picture. live in the stu- in the nook. Yo, in the nook, <laughs> we in the cut right now. That should be the name of the podcast. Fuck TGIF, the nook, the nook. I'm, I'm gonna look that up. <laughs> Yo, shout out to um, Ekpe. Uh, oh yeah, you know man, like dope. dope. Yeah, one of the sharpest guys in the NBA right now. Like for, sure. for real. Like I wanted to ask him, like, what's it like playing in Utah? Because it's like, because I know it'd be like mad racist there. Um, <laughs> I just want to ask him, like, is he okay? I mean, he seems like they he probably is. love him, though. I feel like you know, we we're in Alabama. The one thing that all Alabamans love, mm-hmm. Alabama football team. Yeah, that's true. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if there's one thing that brings all, if Alabama, you're the hometown hero, it, yeah. If, but what's wild though is if if the Alabama state constitution was the law of the land, 
none of those students would be allowed to go to that school because segregationist language is still in this constitution. Fuck yeah, bro. The only reason that, that they're allowed to play for out state of Alabama is because Brown v. Board of Education. Yo, we're going to end the podcast on this history note. Yo. Alabama has the longest and the oldest constitution. And it's a white supremacist document. Read that shit. Read it. Read the 1901 convention, Moral Acts of Turpitude. Read my man John B. Knox, greatest white supremacist rapper ever. <laughs> Just <laughs> dropping <laughs> bars. Dropping <laughs> real bars about fuck these black people. I swear to yeah. God. Yeah, check them out. Apartheid bars, bro. Like, just like real shit. <laughs> we're gonna get, Crow, like. We're gonna get these niggers out of here. <laughs> All the way. Hard R. <laughs> Hard R, you yeah. hear me? Yeah, but check that out. We'll see y'all next week. All right. Gang, gang. Gang, gang.